Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here this morning, that you've decided to come out within the weather and be here personally. Uh, that is awesome. And if you're chiming in online, welcome as well to New Hope Community Church. I really just want to iterate, reiterate what Kelly invited us to do as far as like to get into hope groups, be around other people that can support us and to spur us on towards love and good serving in the community we live in. The reason that New Hope Community Church put the word community in their name is because we believe that it's not about growing new hope, it's about changing a society. Our desire and why we exist is to worship Jesus, but in doing that, to go out and to change the spiritual fabric of our cities, of our county, of our state, of our country, of our world, right? That's what we desire to do in the bigger picture as Christ followers. And we can make a difference if we live intentionally on a daily basis. So when you leave here, if you do not have a coffee cup, if you didn't get one last week, grab one. Because here's reality, on any given day, in 2019, there are 70 million refugees who have left their country due to shortage of food or war or discrimination. And they are in refugee camps and there is a food shortage. By us giving up one latte a week, we can feed 17 children one latte. We are gonna go out after this service and we are gonna try to decide, oh, what do I wanna eat? And we have a plethora of options. And so let's live as intentional people and bring change to people within our county and around the world and give of ourselves by just giving up lattes, which is all extra, right? And so I'm just challenging us to live as intentional people on a daily basis and change society around us, okay? So I'm going to get off that soapbox, and now I'm going to get on the other one, which is our topic today as we continue in our series called Foolproof Your Life. Who in the room here wouldn't love to foolproof their life, right? To be able to make the next right decision. We would all love that. I remember when I finished up at school to be a pastor and my wife and I had to decide where we were going to take a ministry position. And we have op had options in Minnetonka, St. Louis Park, in Roseville, down in Minneapolis, all over the place. There was one option over in Ogama, Wisconsin. Who knows where Ogama, Wisconsin is? Anybody? Nobody. There was one person in the first service, two in Isanti, and then nobody here, right? Ogama is like right in the middle of the state, maybe a little north, but right in the middle of the state. Today, it has 685 people in Ogama, Wisconsin. And I'm not against small town at all. I'm not bashing that. But we, we grew up by Milwaukee, right? And that, and not familiar small town. But all 11 of the people on their search team at the church who were looking for a youth pastor all said, hey, Bill and Sherry are the people we want. And so I'm like, oh, they all agreed. Honey, we should go check it out because maybe God's, you know, working in that. And she's like, really, Ogama? You know, like, she's like, are you serious? And so we literally, we went over there. And that, and, and we went over and we met with the, this group of 11 people. We were having uh, lunch with them and that, it was beef because the whole conversation around lunchtime was breeding cows and, and that. And, and I'm like a city boy more. I'm like, man, I thought there was just one cow. I mean, there's a lot of cows out there. A lot of, and it's nothing against 
them or anything. It's just like we just didn't grow up in all that. And, and there was like one place to rent in town and that. And my wife, you know, I'm thinking, man, I think God maybe wants us here. They all love us. They agree. And my wife's over here saying, let's go. Let's go, you know. And, and that, and, uh, you know, we had to decide, right? My wife's a speech pathologist. She teaches, works with kids with speech impediments and stuff in the schools. And that she's like, honey, there's not an opportunity for my career here. There's not. I'm like, well, that's all right. That's all right. You know, these people love us, you know. And that, so we're driving home and, and she's like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, yeah. She's like, no, I'm thinking, yeah. So we had to get counsel, Literally, we had to get counsel from others to make the decision and all kinds because we were like, where should we be, right? So on a daily basis, we have all these decisions on wide range of things that we need to decide on whether small or important, right? How many decisions do you think the average person makes every day? What is it? Is it A, 8,500 decisions? Is it B, 35,000 decisions? Is it C, 19,000? Or is it D, 52,000? You need to decide. See, I'm making you make a decision. See this? See how that is. You know what? It's B, 35,000 decisions we make daily. You had to decide, hey, am I going to go out in the spit and rain or am I going to stay home, right? You had to decide that. It's just the reality of it. I was talking to a father the other day who said, yeah, all day long, my daughter makes rash decisions. And I'm like, whoa. I'm like, how's that working for her? And he's like, well, it's pretty good. She's a dermatologist. <laughs> she get the, she get the one. All right. <laughs> took you a while. Took you a while. But here are the top 10 toughest decisions for Minnesotans. Number 10, am I going to be a Packer fan or a Vikings fan, right? What is it? What's a good? No, no. So the, the rest of them are more serious. Number nine, to keep unhealthy friends. To keep unhealthy friends. Number eight, should we have children or no children? Number seven, doing the right thing in the wrong crowd. Doing the right thing in the wrong crowd crowd. Six, telling the truth when it hurts. Five, where to live. Man, where are we going to live? Number four, dating and marriage. Boy, do you want to get married? Do I want to marry this person? That's a big decision, right? Number three, to forgive ourselves and others. Should I forgive myself? Should I forgive others? Number two, career choice. What should I do for a career? And number one, you're going to find interesting. Knowing when to quit. Knowing when to quit. I was speaking to a friend just this last week, and he was trying to decide, should I quit my job and go to this other one? What should, you know, what should, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? We have all these decisions on a daily basis, weekly, monthly, thousands of them. And so how is it we make decisions? Well, I want to show you how this morning, and I want to start off first by dealing with decisions in God's counsel, always starting with God when it comes to our decisions that we make. And our key verse today is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall make your paths straight, or he shall direct your paths, right? So let's look at this line by line. First of all, trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Our heart is the epicenter of our emotions, right? And you know what it's like when you make a decision out of your emotions, right? <laughs> Not always good. Not always good. You walk onto the car lot and you're like, oh, I love it. I love that color. I'm going to get that one. And you end up buying a Yugo, right? Or something, you know, it's just not good. You know, our emotions get in the way and God says, hey, trust me with your emotions. Matter of fact, King David in Psalm 139, verse 23, 24, he invites God in and he says, search me, God, and know my heart. Know my heart. Show me if there's any anxious ways or wicked ways or wrong ways in it. Why? Because we're emotional people and sometimes our emotions or maybe oftentimes they get us in trouble when it comes to decisions. And then secondly, what does he say? And lean not on your own understanding, meaning your own knowledge. Like, like hey, I, I know what to do. I know the next best decision. I got a corner on this one, right? How is it we do? I mean, we're finite people and what we see, experience, no. He's infinite. He's infinite. And he says, hey, bring it to me, right? Third line, in all your ways, acknowledge me. Meaning, hey, recognize that I am the Lord over your life. Humble yourself under me, under my wisdom, under my insight, under what is right. Bring it, right? All your ways, all your decisions to me. And what's the promise at the end? And he shall direct your past. Or other scripture says he will make your past, right? Sometimes our decisions are like here, there, straight. He will make your paths straight. You know, Jesus gives us a picture of this when he says to his disciples in John 15, 5, he says, hey, I am the vine, you are the branch, right? We know that van, uh, branches and vines, they're connected. And he says this, hey, if you stay remained in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, right? When you continue to come to me, with your decisions that you need to make. Humble yourself under me. Talk to me about them. You will bear much fruit. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And so when it comes to decision-making and dealing with our decisions, start with Jesus. But then secondly... We should be dealing them out to others. We should be dealing them out to others. Dealing out our decisions. What do I mean by that? Deal it out literally to people around you that you respect and that you know will give you good wisdom. Help you make a good choice. You don't want to deal out your decision to a fool. <laughs> deal out your decision to those who who are more knowledgeable than you. I mean, when your car breaks down, do you just take and walk over to your neighbor? Hey, could you fix this thing? Well, sure, I don't know anything about it, but yeah. No, you take it to a, a certified mechanic, right? Who's more knowledgeable than you to have it fixed. Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. See that? Right? So deal out your decision. Get input. Again, 
back when I was trying to decide should I be a pastor or not, because I didn't really grow up thinking I was going to do this at all. I didn't even start to go to school for it. I went to school and got my K through 12 teaching degree in health psychology and coaching. And I was student teaching to become, a, to become a teacher. And that's when God started working in me and I started thinking about it. I mean, I was married and my wife was just like, you know, hey, I thought, uh, I thought you know, I'm a teacher. You're going to be a teacher. What's the deal? You know, like, like bait and switch or something, you know, that kind of thing. And so we decided that I should do a year internship in a church to make sure that this was the right choice and allow other people to watch me in ministry situations, decision making, all that stuff, and to give me like the thumbs up or down, right? And then obviously they said, hey, we see God working in this way and that. We think you'd be effective in that. And that's how we ended up in Minnesota. I moved up here to get my master's at Bethel, right? But it was through obviously bringing it before God, but also dealing it out to others around us and allowing them to speak within our lives. Proverbs 12, 15. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Did you get that? Because I think we've all been on the front end of that. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Proverbs 19.20, get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. Man, gather wisdom, instruction, knowledge from God, from others around you, vertically, horizontally, and make your decision. But here's the challenge when it comes to decisions. Number three, at times there are disabling decisions. Disabling decisions. What do I mean by that? We live sometimes in this tension of decisions because it's like, boy, they both look good or, or it's just a difficult decision to make the pros, cons, and all that. And we're, we're paralyzed. We're stymied. We're stuck. We don't move. But we're called to make a choice. During World War II, Winston Churchill was forced to make a painful choice. The British Secret Service had broken the Nazi code and informed Churchill that the Germans were going to bomb Coventry. He had two alternatives. Evacuate the citizens and save hundreds of lives at the expense of indicating to the Germans that the code was broken, that they knew what the Germans were up to, or take no action, which would kill hundreds, but keep the information flowing with the opportunity to save thousands. Churchill had to make that choice. And he decided on the latter to let hundreds of lives perish for the sake of saving thousands. We sit here today, some of us, with these tension points of a decision that we need to make. Or we can look in the rearview mirror of life and look at decisions we did make, whether good or bad and the challenge of it. But so often we get paralyzed in making decisions and we just sit there. But here's the reality. 
To not make a decision is to make a decision. To make no decision is to make a decision. It reminds me of a story of a former president, Ronald Reagan, who, when he was very young, his aunt wanted to give him a new pair of shoes for his birthday. So she took him, it's an old story, to a cobbler who measured his feet and then asked Reagan, do you want square toes or do you want rounded tips on your shoes? Reagan wouldn't answer the cobbler. And so the cobbler started working on his shoes, needed Reagan to come back in for a fitting, and he asked him again. He said, hey, I'm going to ask you one more time. Do you want square-toed shoes or do you want rounded tip shoes? And Reagan wouldn't answer. And so the day of his birthday came. He was excited. He opened up his new pair of shoes, and one was squared and one was rounded. And the cobbler told him specifically, I did that so that you would understand that if you did not make a choice, somebody else would make it for you. And he said that was so critical in his leadership lesson and as a president, right? What's it say in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Hey, if we trust in the Lord with all our heart, if we don't lean on our own understanding, If we acknowledge him in all our ways with all our decisions, what's the promise? He will make our paths straight. He will lean us in the direction of the right choice. And so we can make the decision. I took a picture of this plaque in this store because I loved the line. It says, don't get it perfect, just get it going. Don't get it perfect, just get it going, right? How many of us are paralyzed because we're like, you know, I gotta have it all planned out. I gotta gotta make sure it's successful. I gotta make sure I got everything in line, this and that. And we never do it. We never do it because we don't know. We just don't know. But it's like, hey, don't get it perfect, just get it going. And then figure it out from there. I mean, if all of us in the room and our successes have gotten there through failures. We've all failed at different things, but it's moved us towards success. If you look at the ladder of success, it's full of rungs of failure. It's just the reality. We're sitting under lights where for Edison, it took a thousand failures before he had the victory, right? But it was all learning about how do we get to light. And so don't get it perfect, Get it going. Get it moving. On your chair or by your chair, if you don't have one, if there's extras on the way out, I put a sheet of paper on how to make decisions. Grab that sheet of paper. This is a sheet of paper I handed out when I was youth pastor years ago to my students, how to make decisions. You can ask yourself three questions about a choice. How does it affect me individually? How will it affect others? How will it affect the cause of Christ, right? You can apply three tests to each choice you face. The test of secrecy. Would you feel different if someone else you knew was aware of what you were doing? I mean, if you're going to walk into the strip joint and everybody else knew you were doing that, would you walk into the strip joint, right? The test of individuality. Would you still do it even if all your friends were not doing it? The test of prayer. Can you ask God to go with you and bless you in this, right? 
It was interesting, a couple weeks ago, I was speaking to the youth on Wednesday night, and afterwards, one of the, the boys in the middle school said, hey, pastor, could I talk to you a minute and that and stuff? And I said, yeah, what's happening? He says, you know, I'm having a hard time making a decision, a choice here. And he's saying, my, my mom wants to take me to this movie, and my aunt says I shouldn't go. And he's like, what should I do? And then I asked him. I said, would Jesus take you to that movie? Oh, no, no, he wouldn't take me to that movie. Nah. I said, there's your, there's your answer. There's your answer. He's like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, that's a wise kid at 13. Right? Seeking counsel. Seeking counsel. There are three sources of spiritual guidance for you. From within, you're conscious of the Holy Spirit. From without, your parents, Christian friends, church leaders. From above, your relationship with Jesus. And what does the Bible say? Should we leave here and over lunch gossip about our neighbors, our employees, our work friends, or whoever? No, the Bible says, nah, we shouldn't do that. Should we go out tomorrow and lie on a business deal? Pretty obvious. The Bible says, no, don't do that. Should I drift off in my marriage and have an adulterous affair? Nah, no, it's not a thumbs up from God. Pretty clear, right? So when it comes to our decision-making, which is like 35,000 a day, I mean, I think most of us in the room have another 30,000. I mean, it's early in the day yet, right? (laughs) For today, what is it we're gonna do? My challenge to each one of us in the room, including myself, is to deal with decisions before God. Deal them out to others. Hey, what do you think I should do? Recognize in our disabling decisions, in the hard decisions, if you've done those two things, don't wait for it to be perfect. Just get it going. Sherry and I ended up in Cambridge, Minnesota, because of counsel from others because of the fact that hey they keep inviting us to interview we should at least go interview and see once maybe God's in it and I remember driving on to Main Street Cambridge the moment like we hit Main Street she turned to me and she said oh boy the Holy Spirit just told me we're gonna live here (laughs) and here we've been right And so trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all, capital double A, double L, A, double L, your ways, acknowledge him. Hey, Lord, here's the decision. And he says he will make our paths straight or he will direct our paths. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you're not a God who just leaves us, us alone, but you are a God who is near by your Holy Spirit in us. And Lord, in your word, it says, we make our plans, you direct our steps, you invite us to come before you and you will direct us. Lord, you have created us to win, not to fail. You are for us, not against us. 
And so, Lord, I pray favor over the decisions that need to be made here today. Decisions that are intention, not just decisions over whether we're going to have pepperoni or sausage pizza, but these are big decisions. And so I pray favor over them and that we as a people would come before you, come before others, and that we would live out and walk out our decisions. In your holy name, amen.